Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's so good to be here this week again with you all. Um, so normally you see Michelle here in the morning uh, first thing, but she's under the weather a little bit today. So we're going to ask for some prayers for her. Um, and you know what? While we're here, if you guys have any prayer requests, uh, please feel free to, to send them in. You can email them directly. Um, we want to pray over you guys and we want to pray for each other. And we all want to be praying together because that's what this whole thing is about to unite us in, in Christ and to be to be a, a united people, a united holy people. Um, so we're going to get started this morning. Uh, this is a great day, and we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. So if you are able, uh, you know, worship is, is really important to the Lord, and uh, it's really important for us to worship our great God. So if you are able, you can stand and sing with me. If you're not able, just sit and pray through. Um, the song that we're going to do this morning is called Jesus Messiah. If you want to pull up the lyrics and sing along from home, I would love that. Uh, lift up your voices. Let's praise our great God. Broken and poured out all 
thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, my God, and we will rejoice in it and be glad. We love you, my God. We thank you for bringing us together today. We thank you for waking up your people. We thank you for your patience, for your long-suffering, for your mercy and your grace. Father God, we just thank you for loving us, for sending us your Jesus to pay the price for our sins, Father God, once and for all. And we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. And we pray the words, Father God, that your son taught us to pray. And I will ask that everyone collectively pray with me right now when we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All righty. Well, we got a lot to unpack today. We're going to have a good time. Uh, so I got a couple of updates. The first thing um, that I want to go over is that Utah case because there was a, an official arrest made. So last week when we talked about it, I think it was last week. Um, or two weeks ago, um, we talked about this, uh, the attorney general, or he was a county attorney. Uh, so they have arrested the therapist. Remember, I told you that there was a therapist involved. And this was like back in, in 2009, 2010. All the charges were dropped. Um, they finally arrested this therapist. He's 68 years old, 18 counts of sexual abuse. Um, so Praise God. They say more arrests are coming. They actually also, um, uh, they got a, a, a special prosecutor from another county um, because the Utah County prosecutors are all in bed with the, this therapist because he was an elder at their Mormon church and, and this and that. Interestingly, um, uh, in 2011, all the charges were dropped against this guy. 
but now they're they're back and resurfaced. And it just leads me to believe that praise God uh, that he is sending us judges because uh, the Bible has a lot to say about our judges actually in Amos. And we're going to be talking a lot about Amos today. Interestingly, the Lord's put him on my heart. Uh, Amos um, 5.15, hate evil and love what is good. Turn your courts into true halls of justice. And perhaps even yet the Lord God of heaven's armies will have mercy on the remnant of his people. So praise God, I feel like we're turning our courts back to halls of justice and not kangaroo courts by getting the, the proper judges, godly judges. We need godly people in our government now more than ever. Okay, we got to really be uh, diligent about that. Um, so that's the, uh, the announcement about the Utah case. Let's continue to pray for the victims, for the, for the judges, for the prosecutor, for the sheriff, um, that we finally get to the bottom of this and we, we save our children. Because at the end of the day, this whole thing is about the children. No matter where you turn in the world, they're, they're just eating our children, literally eating us. Um, the next thing I want to talk about real quick, and we got a couple pictures to show you. Uh, I've been getting some campaign stuff in the mail. That's really interesting. Um, uh, the, um, the Blake Masters uh, opponents are really, uh, really doing a, a service right now. I got this yesterday. We're going to pull this up on the, on the screen. Just bear with us one second. Um, but isn't that interesting? They're saying that Blake Masters is demonic because he says abortion rights um, are demonic. He doesn't, he's completely against, uh, abortion because, you know, a lot of our, um, Republicans, conservatives who call themselves Christians are not against it. They're actually, they're actually vying to get us back into the Roe v. Wade with 15 weeks, right? Roe v. Wade was originally 12 weeks. Now they want to even step it up 15 weeks. And this is our Republican legislature who's pushing this. Um, with the Democrats, of course. But isn't it interesting that they would tell the truth, right, without us, right? They're trying to call him the Satanist when actually it's the other way around. Now look at this picture. I have young, young 20-something-year-olds, and they're, they're, um, they're a voting age now. And so they're getting these weird postcards in the mail. Um, Interesting. This was one of them. Then the next day they got this other one. And, um, and yeah. And on the back, uh, I'm just going to read it to you. I don't, I'm not showing it to you. There's a QR code about finding out more of how to vote. I'm not showing it to you because my, my daughter's information is on here. Um, but it says, why even bother with the midterms? It's simple. Midterm elections are a big deal. Voting gives you the power to decide leaders to represent you on important issues like the economy, abortions, gun laws, and immigration. Even though these things have been bumpy these last couple of years, making time th to vote this November 8th or doing an advance during early vote will have a huge impact on life-changing issues. Um, the other sign that Shagat says, oh let this be the sign from the universe that you've been waiting for. You're registered to vote. 
The midterm elections are looming. It might feel like voting doesn't matter, but the universe is telling you that you still need to vote. We, hey you, we collectively have the power to swing elections. Thinking about American politics might make you feel like your hair's on fire, but that is exactly why our vote matters now more than ever. Scan this QR code to find out how to vote. Okay, they're telling they're telling young people how to vote. Now, there's not a lot of information on these cards. So at the top of the card, it just says run. So I looked up this run, okay? Run. And here's where it gets a little bit interesting. And I did a real quick search on this last night because the mail came late and uh, I was really shocked to see what was in the mail. Um, so run, it's actually called run AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islanders. Um, it's the Asian American, uh, the new Asian American dot vote or something like that. Um, the campaign is called give a F star CK. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Let's, let's, Look at the co-founders of this Asian American Pacific Islander organization, Asian Americans for the Vote. None other than uh, white Chloe Bennett. Now, I tried to do a search on her LinkedIn social media. She doesn't come up anywhere. Um, can't find her. So I don't know if she's under a fictitious name or what, but she's the co-founder of this organization. The other co-founder. He's um, His name is Brad Jenkins. Uh, he is a Black Asian, so I guess he's a Blasian. Um, he is the CEO and founder of Enfranchisement, which was an Obama organization. If you look up the website for that, there's a big picture of him shaking hands with Obama. Uh, he was, from 2011 to 2015, he was the White House Office of Public Engagement Strategist. Uh, he was the National Field Advisor for Obama for America, 2007-2008. He was the National Deputy Director of Special Projects for the Democrat National Convention in 2008. Uh, he went on Jimmy Kimmel in 2021 to showcase the new Asian American Foundation. Okay. Um, he's an Obama, probably a George Soros. They've got endless money, endless, endless money. They're sending these cards in the mail every single day to young voters. Be on the lookout for this stuff and educate young voters against it. Show them who these people are. Okay. Be on guard. We got to be on guard right now expose these people for who they are. This is not this is not young people who are concerned about the vote. This is an Obama Soros organization that's well oiled and well funded, okay, to steal our elections. Excuse me, I'm dropping all my paper. So all right. Now that's all pretty much I have for my public service announcements. So let's get on to the movies. Okay. I saw this Really good movie. I highly recommend. It's new. It's called uh, The World's Greatest Beer Run, I think, or The Greatest Beer Run Ever, something like that. It's with Zac Efron, okay? Um, it's a, based on a true story, and you can actually find, if you YouTube 
I guess, world's greatest beer run, you'll see there's an interview, a news interview with, with the original guys and the original guy that Zac Efron plays. I think his name was Chicky or something like that. Anyway, um, just the crux of it. It's, it's based on a true story about a guy whose friends all went to uh, Vietnam to fight and he didn't go, but he had access to, um, to get there. And so he decided, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just go give my friends a beer and just tell them, just to show them that we're, we're thinking about them, we love them and here's a beer, right? <laughs> so he actually goes over there. Um, he goes over to Vietnam. He, he's uh, like a, uh, he works in a, um, he works in a, uh, on a ship in a steam room. So he has access to be able to, to get, get there on a ship. So he books, he books himself. Um, but the interesting thing, so, uh, side note, um, my only, my only problem with the movie really was, um, I think Zac Efron needed a better language coach because they're from New York, but his New York accent is really uh, lacking. And from somebody whose whole family is from, you know, Brooklyn, um, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, judgmental, I guess, on the, the accent. Sometimes it sounded like he might have been from Boston or Vermont. I don't know, but it was really hard to figure out that he was from New York. But that's just that's just a side uh, a side note. But the interesting thing about this, you know, how they show us what they're doing in our movies, our TV shows. They, they, the symbolism is everywhere, right? We've talked about that. They show us what they're doing. If it's God warning us, which is that what's what I believe, making them show us so that we're warned, so that we see the truth, or they're just laughing at us because we don't believe it, right? Because we're under all this mind control. Um, but this movie is brand new. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. And the fact that they make no bones about showing the truth of this war called Vietnam. Um, and then when you watch the YouTube video of the, the real guy, they ask him, they say, you know, was it, was it what you thought it was when you got there? And he said, it was eye opening because I learned, I saw the truth. Okay. And what they portray in the movie is incredible because there's like this big invasion, um, of Saigon, right. And where there's all this fighting going on and all these tanks are rolling in and bombs are exploding out of nowhere and everybody's running and ducking for cover. And he's kind of, he's kind of on the run from the CIA who's trying to kill him. Interesting. Okay. Because he's seen some stuff that the CIA is doing over there and he was witness to it. So now they need to silence him. But more importantly, he's running and ducking for cover while all these bombs are going off over his head and he sees what's really going on that it's our military devastating neighborhoods of civilians. And even worse, he sees our media propagandizing and covering it up and actually rewriting it to make it look like it was the Viet Cong killing their own people because they're so cruel. We're going to get into that a little bit today. I highly suggest you see that movie because uh, he made, like I said, he sees, he sees what was going on in Vietnam. And uh, if you saw the, the tag for this, America's a warring nation. Okay, make no bones about it. We're a warring nation. So before we get on to this Vietnam, let's just look at the history of war in America. 
1775, I'm just going to rattle them off, the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, Mexican-American War, American Civil War, Spanish-American War, Indian-American War, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Grenada, Panama, Operation Desert Storm, Operation United Shield, Operation Determined Falcon, Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and currently Operation Freedom Falcon. That was from 2011. 245 years we've been a country and we've been at war for about 222 of those years. We are a warring nation. Okay? And when I say war, what is it good for? Making the Satanists wealthier. That's exactly what it is. It's all about money, power, and control. It's not about liberating or freedom. And we're going to look into that today. And we're going to look into it because of this movie. And we're going to look into the Vietnam War. Remember we talked about a, um, an officer in the army, Michael Aquino. And we talked about how he was a Satanist. Okay, an open Satanist. He joined Anton LaVey's church in 1969, and he very soon discovered that Anton LaVey was a hypocrite. Anton LaVey wasn't really uh, practicing Satanism. He was more about magic and prostitution. He started the red light district, believe it or not, in San Francisco. He was, he was getting women to serve in his church and act as prostitutes. Basically, he was making money. And uh, this kind of upset Michael Aquino because Michael Aquino was really had a love of Satan. He wanted to worship. Michael Aquino believed that he got visited by none other than Satan himself, who used his Egyptian name, Set, which is why, and told Michael Aquino to, to open up the temple, um, the church of Set. Okay. And uh, he said that uh, that Satan visited him, told him to start the church of Set because that was his Egyptian name. And he said, you are going to start the temple and bring forth with boldness the satanic new age. Believe it or not, Aquino recruited a lot of people in his church. A lot of Jews, too, became members of his church and a lot of military because he was military, okay? And they thought he was a real stand-up guy, so he never really was questioned about his, his faith, okay? So he literally believes that he is a prince of darkness. So Michael Aquino, we talked about him. He's very highly educated. He has lots of degrees uh, in lots of different areas. He is also the PSYOP psychological operations expert during the Vietnam War. He had a love affair with Nazism. He studied and learned all mind control techniques that the Nazis used, pagan Nazism. Um, and he wrote for the Department of Defense, the Mind War Manual that we still use today. In this manual, he incorporated futuristic technology that will kill using ionizing and non-ionizing radiation. Low energy microwave frequencies can disturb your brain waves, brain fog, the way you think, okay? 
Um, he was part of what the government uh, program was, the Phoenix program, and they were developing these mind control psychological operations to assassinate the Viet Cong in a systematic way. But they use it against our own and they use it on our own. They experiment on our own. COVID. Didn't they force the military to get vaccinated? Okay. So they experiment on our own. Um, the CIA was also uses this mind war manual on Americans. They use it to control loyal Americans, patriots, and to assassinate dissidents. It's advanced microwave and radio frequencies. It's for indiscriminate killing. Remember we talked about culling? It's basically culling us. Mm -hmm. It gets us to a mind blankness where we just follow. So when you've seen those videos of, um, when you see those videos of like the, the vaccine centers and the person, there all these people are in line and the person gets their vaccine and all of a sudden they like fall on the floor and they're convulsing and everything. And the people in line are looking at them but they still go and get their vaccine. We're being called. It's culling. It's a soft kill, a slow kill, and a silent kill. And um, they used it on our boys. In Vietnam, our military was reluctant to fight. Think about the movie. Maybe they were reluctant to fight because we didn't have a formidable enemy. They were killing innocents. They didn't want to fight. They were reluctant. Remember we had the draft forcing them and they didn't want to fight. So we mind controlled them with drugs. Remember we got the LSD, the peyote, all of that from the, the 50s and 60s. We'll go into that when they experimented with all that. Remember the government run LSD experiments. So with the drugs and music, Aquino was really big at using music. Jefferson Starship, he used it in his temple uh, on his members and it worked. So why not blast music over loudspeakers all around Vietnam? Good morning, Vietnam, right? Remember that movie with Robin Williams? Blasting the music so everybody could hear. It's mind control. Coupled with the drugs. Coupled with Michael Aquino literally talked the United States military into allowing multiple churches of set to be erected in Vietnam so the soldiers would have a place to go. Son of Sam, David Berkowitz, these, these guys were all in the military. Look at how messed up our Vietnam guys came back. They suffered their whole lives. Our military our military. Now, let me tell you something. They use it on us. Okay, so sadly, we're going to have to break for Brighteon right now. We love you, Brighteon. If you want to catch the rest of this, JesusRocksLive.com. We'll see you next week. Love you, Brighteon. All right. So they used uh, music. He wrote the Mind, Mind War Manual, How to Control Entire United States Populations. Eventually, world populations was his ultimate goal to remake society in Satan's own image. Isn't that where we're kind of going? Um, it just goes on and on and on. The CIA 
along with our military, perfect weapons that are designed to kill slowly and silently, as well as perfecting the process of controlling the human mind. Okay, so now I'm going to direct you to a site real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I found this website uh, bigger than Snowden.com. Y'all remember Edward Snowden, right? NSA whistleblower, and our government's been trying to kill him for, for over a decade now, right? So he's been exiled to Russia, big bad Russia. And, um, and so there's a whole bunch of whistleblowers now that are coming forward. And there's this website, bigger than Snowden.com. And some of these whistleblowers, um, they say if the NSA can't get info by intercepting every digital radio and analog communication, they do it by means of close action monitoring. They'll bug a house. They can look at you through your computer. If, even through you, if you have the, all the firewalls in the world, they can still get through them. Don't think you're safe. You're not. It's called active attack. It's the new Cold War from what some of these whistleblowers are saying. They use 5G. Now, remember, all those 5G towers all went up during COVID. They use 5G microwave transmitters for population mind control. Okay, 5G is a biomilitary grade weapon. Um, MIT got a grant um, in 2005, 2006, a half a million dollar grant to study what's called acoustic pepperdining. Um, it's where you send signals from two different points into an individual so they can hear a voice in their head that no one else can hear. Okay. Voices, they say, are the easiest way to get to people uh, because they're not actually imagining a voice. They're actually hearing a voice. But then they go to a doctor or they say, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing this stuff. And the doctor will diagnose them as schizophrenic or some sort of mental illness. And so no one ever questions it. And they can trigger and they can do a lot of, a lot of things. They can, they can direct a conversation. You can get an angelic voice, a demonic voice, Okay. Uh, in 2012, DARPA contracted with the University of California to study electronic telepathy to be able to monitor the human brain at a distance and determine what people are thinking, okay? Um, they had a second contract, DARPA, with the University of California to develop complex signals that are able to send into the brain of a person and transmit a message. Okay, and this is, these are um, Nick Bigich, is, he's was the mind control science and research ed educator for uh, the NSA, whistleblower, and James Giordano, Dr. James Giordano, he was a DARPA neurologist and weapons expert whistleblower. So please keep these whistleblowers in prayer Cover them in prayer because they're coming forward with truth and they're being hunted like animals, okay? Uh, these whistleblowers say that our brain is the current and future battle space and they want to target individuals. I met a targeted individual a couple of years ago. I never knew what it was. I met this man when I was sidewalk counseling down at Planned Parenthood. He had gotten off the bus and he walked from the bus stop to uh, where I was. And he had a Bible and he was just, he said, hey, can I pray with you guys? I said, yeah. And we were praying together. And then he started chatting and he said, you know, you might think I'm crazy, but I feel like I can talk to you. And I said, well, I don't think you're crazy. And he said, have you ever heard of a TI? 
And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, well, I'm a TI. And he went on to explain how he had once upon a time worked as a civilian for the government. And now um, I guess he saw something that he wasn't supposed to see. He didn't, he didn't burden me with it, thankfully. <laughs> uh, but he said that he's been um, hunted ever since with EMFs. Um, he can't have a cell phone. He can't really stay at home. They track him everywhere he goes. So that's why he rides the bus a lot. Uh, he sleeps in people's houses, friends, etc. cetera. Um, they make him feel sick, dizzy. It's it, things that it's hard to explain. And the average person would think you're crazy. Okay. Um, direct energy weapons. This is all happening. Um, and interestingly, the whistleblowers said they've been using this technology since the 1950s. Um, in World War II, they used low-level microwaves to cause rapid growth cancer and leukemia. Now, this is personal for me because my father and his brother were both in World War II. My, my uncle was second wave. Um, oh, no, he was Battle of the Bulge, actually. And my father was here, stationed here at the Air Force in Arizona, with uh, experiments, etc. My father and his brother, my father died of rapid growth cancer and his brother died of rapid growth leukemia. All the doctors at the time said they had never seen anything like it. It was baffling. So by the 1950s, they had perfected it. Uh, these whistleblowers from this website that I was watching, a lot of them came forward and they went to Congress and they were reporting to Congress what they were learning and how dangerous these weapons are. And they're all collectively saying, hundreds of them testified, targeted individuals, et cetera. And they all collectively say, Congress and the government doesn't care about human safety and freedom. They're only about money, control, and power, not human rights. Okay, there we go. War, what is it good for? Money, control, and power. And we'll do anything. And our country's the warmongers. So now let's bring it to current. Russia. Hate them, love them. Hate them, love them. If you're watching our mainstream news, you got to hate Russia. You got to hate Putin. He's evil. Okay. Well, Ru Putin made a 37 minute long speech and I took a whole bunch of it. I'm going to give you some highlights of it. In Putin's speech, here's some bullet points. He says, the U.S. Department of Defense operates, currently operates 26 biolabs in the Ukraine. Putin says that he accused the U.S. of conducting experiments on corona and other dangerous viruses. Putin claims the virus is being tested on soldiers and civilians in Ukraine. Putin says Hunter Biden is connected with these labs. Putin claims the Ukrainian parliamentarians object to the U.S. labs. Putin says Russia has evidence that U.S. and China deny while simultaneously admitting to testing. Here's a quote, Putin. Do we want starting elementary school our kids to be exposed to perverted values that lead to degradation? Do we want them to impose that instead of male and female? There is ability to change gender. This is unacceptable to us. Our future is different. And Western elite are working against all and even the people of Western countries against everyone that wants to bring back traditional values, traditional faith. They want upside down. It looks like blatant Satanism. Hmm. 
Hmm. Putin, the U.S. is the only country in the world that has twice used nuclear weapons, destroying the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and setting a precedent. Remember Harry Truman, good old President Harry Truman, was a 33rd degree Mason. I think he was the only president who was actually a 33rd degree Mason. Putin says, even today they, are, they actually occupy Germany, Japan, Republic of Korea, and other countries at the same time, cynically calling them allies of equal standing. Now they have moved on entirely to a radical denial of moral norms, religion, and family. Putin says, quote, the dictatorship of the Western elites is directed against all societies, including the people of the Western countries themselves. This is a challenge to all. This is a complete denial of humanity, the overthrow of faith and traditional values. Indeed, the suppression of freedom itself has taken on the features of a religion, outright Satanism. And Putin says, quote, the Rothschild cabal has infiltrated your government, your media, your banking institutions. They are no longer content with committing atrocities in the Middle East. They are now doing it on their own, own soil to complete their plan for a one world government, one world army, complete with a world central bank. Who's the enemy? Who's the enemy? We're kind of in an upside down place. So let's get our Bibles. Let's get our Bibles because we know there is only truth in God. Okay? We're going to turn to Amos. I know, real interesting. Amos has a lot to say. And I was thinking about who is, who was Amos? So Amos was a regular dude, man. He was a shepherd. So I got this book on these Bible people. So Amos was from a small town. He was actually from the tribe of Judah. Judah and Israel are brothers, and they were in, they were war in their civil war. Amos is from the tribe of Judah. He's a shepherd from a small town, not a prophet, not the son of a prophet, not a priest, didn't go to prophet school. He was a sheep herder. God called him. He feared God and he listened and he loved God. And so God called him and said, hey, Amos, I'm going to send you to give the people of Israel my message. Now, Israel was prosperous. Israel was wealthy. Israel didn't have much to worry about. And God sent Amos over to Israel to tell Israel, hey, you guys are going to be destroyed. How do you think that went over? Um, so let's, let's look at this. So this was a time of great prosperity in Israel. Um, and Amos was called to go and be a prophet there. Uh, the idea of the approaching doom of their kingdom seemed utterly improbable to Israel. They were enjoying a period of peace. All they thought about was pleasure and having a good time. And so God tried to arouse his people to a sense of their danger. He sent Hosea and he sent Amos. Amos feared God so much that he feared no one else at all. 
And a modern student of Amos says, quote, Amos proclaimed a message so far ahead of his time that most of the human race and a large part of all Christendom have not yet caught up with it. The law of our beloved country will be kept when we learn to keep the law of God. And that's what I want to talk about today, because what do, what do we do? What can we do with all of this? You know, we can't go and, and change the military. We can't, but God can, and God will, if his people are obedient. You know, everybody jumps to Second Chronicles 7.14, if my if my people who are called by my names will humble themselves, turn and repent. We don't repent. And I want to talk about that today because we think we're, we think we're all, all good. But are we really all good? And I'm going to give you a little personal story. I, had a, I was at a birthday party with some friends over the weekend, and we were at a park. And there was a bunch of birthday parties going on at this park. And um, they're like under those, uh, those rotundas, you know, they had the tables and everything, uh, the barbecues and everything. And so there was like two or three in these, um, in these rotundas, like groups of big, big parties, birth, kids' birthday parties. Uh, one of them was barbecuing. One of them had like burritos, egg burritos and stuff. It was early. It was about 10 in the morning. And one of them was having pizza delivered. So we were just having a real small little gathering and I had bagels and cream cheese and some hard boiled eggs and some fruit and uh, just some stuff like that. And so this homeless man walked by and he went over to one of these rotundas and, and he was just kind of standing there outside. Um, he wasn't bothering anybody. He was just kind of standing there like he was waiting. He had his hands folded and, uh, and he was quiet. And my friend who I was with noticed him and said, look at, look at that man over there. And I said, yeah, he said, he just wants food. And so I'm looking at these people under the rotunda and they're all sitting at the tables and they're looking at this man. He's not under the rotunda. He did not trespass onto their, onto their, into their party. He's just standing on the outside looking at them. And this group of people with all of these pizza boxes stacked on the table, and they're all eating and enjoying and laughing, and they look at this man, and they do nothing for a few minutes. They tell him to go away, and then we see somebody pick up a cell phone. And my friend said, they're going to call the police on him. And all he wants is food. He's hungry. And so he said, would you mind? And he looked at our little spread of bagels and cream cheese and boiled eggs. I said, do it. And he scooped up all of our food and he went over to that man and he gave all of our, he gave all of our food to that man. And I looked at all those people. Are we serving God? God says, feed, feed my homeless, feed my children, feed the orphans, care for the widows. And we're calling the police on them instead. Are we serving God? God wants to bless us, but he wants us to be obedient. So let's look at what Amos has to say. Because Amos, 
is he fears God and he's not a prophet. He's a shepherd. So he's just saying it like it is, right? Remember in Jesus' time, like the shepherds were like the lowest of the low, right? They're crass. They're uneducated. They're un, uh, they, they don't have any, any, any filters as far as what they say and do. Um, and so God tasks Amos to go out. And Amos is saying, um, you know, that, that they're at their religious festivals. I'm in Amos chapter two. I'm just going to skip around a lot. Uh, Amos chapter two, God says, uh, the people of Judah have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. When God says he's going to punish us, he's going to punish us. They have rejected the instruction of the Lord, refusing to obey his decrees. They have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. So I will send fire on Judah and all the fortresses of Jerusalem will be destroyed. Um, he says, you caused the Nazarites to sin by making them drink wine and you commanded the prophets to shut up. Your fastest runners will not get away. The strongest among you will become weak. On that day, the most courageous of your fighting men will drop their weapons and run for their lives. He says, uh, God says uh, in chapter three, and like I said, I'm skipping around. You need to read Amos, but from among all the families on the earth, I have been intimate with you alone. That is why I must punish you from, for all your sins. Okay. Um, Indeed, verse chapter uh, verse seven, chapter three. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until He reveals His plans to the servants, the prophets. So He tells His prophets, "Go tell my people," and then the people ignore the prophets. Okay, my people have forgotten how to do right. I'm in verse ten, chapter three. Says the Lord, their fortresses are filled with wealth taken by theft and violence. Think about all our wars. Therefore, says the sovereign Lord, an enemy is coming. This is what the Lord says. A shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. The people of Israel thought, we're good. We're God's chosen people. Nothing's going to happen to us. We're good. And God says, I will destroy the beautiful homes of the wealthy, their winter mansions and their summer houses too. All their palaces are filled with ivory, says the Lord. What are we doing with our wealth? Especially now when people are hungry, when people are homeless. We got more homeless now than every, anywhere. And if you're following anything that's going on, the illegal immigrants are really wreaking havoc on our homeless population. They're killing them. They're robbing them. Fentanyl is all over. So chapter four, punishment for an abusive people. And isn't it interesting that Amos goes after the women first? Remember all we've said about women. Women, we really have to watch ourselves. Listen to me, you fat cows. Amos, not me. Remember, he's a shepherd. He's used to dealing with animals. 
and the fat cows. They don't have to worry about anything. They graze in luxurious pastures all day long, right? Listen to me, you fat cows living in Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and who are always calling to your husbands, bring us another drink. We love those parties, don't we? The sovereign Lord is sworn by his holiness. The time will come when you will be led away with hooks in your noses. Every last one of you will be dragged away like a fish on a hook. God brings us famine sometimes to bring us back to him. Here in chapter, in verse six, he says, I brought hunger to every city and famine to every, to every town, but still you would not return to me. I kept the rain from falling, your crops when you needed it most. People staggered from town to town looking for water. There was never enough, but still you would not return to me. I struck your farms and your vineyards with blight and mildew, locusts devoured all your fig and olive trees. You see what's going on in parts of the world with locusts? But still, you would not return to me. I sent plagues on you. I killed your young men in war. But still, you would not return to me. I destroyed some of your cities. Those of you who, who survived were like charred sticks pulled from a fire, but still, you would not return to me. Therefore, I will bring upon you all the disasters I have announced. Prepare to meet your God in judgment, you people of Israel. For the Lord is the one who shaped the mountains, stirs up the winds, and reveals his thoughts. To mankind. Chapter 5, he says, Come back to me and live. Do not worship at the pagan altars at Bethel. Do not go to the shrines at Gilgal or Bathsheba. Come back to the Lord and live. Do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. I'm in uh, chapter 5, verse 14. Then the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper, just as you have claimed. Hate evil and love what is good. Turn your courts into true halls of justice. The Lord goes on here, uh, chapter 5. I'm going to skip down. Verse 21, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. How terrible, I'm in chapter six. 
What sorrow awaits you who lounge in luxury in Jerusalem, you who feel secure in Samaria. You're famous and popular in Israel, and people go to you for help. You push away every thought of coming disaster. I'm in verse 3. But your actions only bring the day of judgment closer. How terrible for you who sprawl on ivory beds and lounge on your couches, eating the meat of tender lambs from the flock and of choice calves fattened in the stall. You sing trivial songs to the sound of the harp and fancy yourselves to be great musicians like David. You drink wine by the bowlfuls and perfume yourselves with fragrant lotions. You care nothing about the ruin of your nation. Therefore, you will be the first to be led away as captives. Suddenly, all your parties will end. Are we righteous? Are we set apart? We look out and we look at the government and, oh, they're so bad and they're doing this and they're doing that and I'm just going to pray. But God says, what good are your prayers if you're not acting on them? If you're stepping over my image bearers, I created those homeless people. I created those poor people the same as I created you. I gave you the means not to be selfish, but to help my people. That's how you serve the Lord. Tell people about Jesus. I got to preach the gospel yesterday to a person walking on the walking our dogs. Her dog looked like my dog, and we just got to talking. And she was Jewish. And I said, Oh, isn't it interesting? Our dogs are cousins just like us. And I told her about Jesus Messiah. So let's get back to that scene in the park. So my friend took up all the food and he brought it over to that homeless man. And uh, what you didn't know was that my friend was once homeless. He and his wife lived on the streets in Tempe for years. And by the grace of God, they turn to Jesus. And Jesus always answers. And he turned their lives around. And they're not homeless anymore. They're not wealthy. They need food. And all that food that I had brought, the bagels and the eggs and the cream cheese and all of that, I brought it so that they could take it home after our party, and they would have food. And he took the food meant for him, and he gave it to another who was hungry. And then later on, because this is, this is how amazing and how beautiful our God is, and I always get teary-eyed when I think about our beautiful God. So after that, I took them home. And on the way home, we stopped off at my church because my church 
gets food and feeds the homeless every Sunday. And so on the way home, we stopped off at my church. And guess what? My church had put together a huge box of food for my friend. You see? So my friend who was homeless, who struggles, who lives in poverty on food stamps, knows what it's like to be hungry. And he took food that was meant to feed him and his family as a wife and a, and a baby. That's what we were celebrating, his baby. And he took his food meant for him and his family. And he gave it to another in need. And then God blessed him with even more abundance. He got way more food than I had planned to give him that day. Reminded me of the woman with the two, with the two coins, right? The Pharisees go around like fat cows. Oh, look at me. I live in my abundance. And I'll throw a, a donation check to my church once in a while. How about we actually get out there? How about we actually become the hands and feet of Jesus? You want God to heal our land? Then let's start serving God. God wants to bless us. He blessed my friend greatly this week. My friend and his family won't go hungry this week. And they have enough food to help some of their neighbors. And they do. I've seen it. Sometimes we have so much wealth, it makes us really selfish. Let's start looking. So we're looking for symbolism. We're looking for people. We're all made in the image of God. Every single one of us is an image bearer. Just don't step over people. Offer them a hand up. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. We can do this. This is how we change the world. I love you guys. Stay in your Bibles. Remember, every single day, be praying up. Armor up. Learn. God has a lot to teach us now, doesn't he? A lot. He just taught me a whole bunch about Amos that I never knew. Let's keep going and see that movie, Greatest Beer Run Ever. All right. Pray up. Stay prayed up. Let me know your prayers and your concerns. I love you. Get out there. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Make disciples. Be holy. Be different. We're set apart. We look different. We follow Jesus. I can see clearly now the rain. next week.